welcome to Sequel Pitch, where four film enthusiast friends review movies that don't have sequels and see who can come up with the best idea for one. Uh, my name is Drew Toynbee. I am back as host this week. Joining me once again today to review this week's movie and pitch me their ideas for their sequels, we have the Viking Matt Rushton. Ah, uh, yeah! We have funny man Ross Harmston. I'm funny. I'm wearing a funny old wig at the moment, but you can't tell because I'm funny. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? So I and um, uh, Ginger Andy Henry. Famous Ginger. This week... I asked the guys to sit down and watch 2018's Ruben Fleischer-directed Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed starring Venom. Mm -mm -mm. Um, We'll get to our thoughts on that in a minute, but as always, before we do our review, in case there's anyone listening who hasn't sat down to watch the film, we do a reasonably quick but definitely no longer only 60-second summary of the movie. (laughs) Um, so that you have a broad idea of what we're talking about when we're talking about it for sequels. So I'm going to start that. Now, in space, we see... How many films have started in space now? (laughs) Um, In space, we see a space shuttle operated by the Life Foundation run by Riz Ahmed's Carlton Drake getting into trouble and crash landing in Malaysia after one of four alien organisms that they've discovered escapes containment. The Life Foundation retrieves three of the samples, but one escapes in the body of a local medic who's attending the crash. We then meet Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock in San Francisco. He's a hardcore investigative journalist, and his fiancée Anne, who is a lawyer working for the Life Foundation. Eddie gets a puff piece interview with Carlton Drake, but snoops on Anne's laptop to get confidential information about shady practices, which he then brings up in the interview. This gets both him and Anne fired from their jobs, and Anne leaves Eddie, breaking off their engagement. Six months later, the Life Foundation are testing the life forms. They are symbiotes, meaning that they need to bond with a living host to be able to survive any significant amount of time on Earth. But they have to be an exact match, or the host will die. Drake insists that human trials begin. Dr. Dora Skirth, played by Jenny Slate, says it's too early, but Drake obliquely threatens her kids and makes her start the trials. Dr. Skirth goes to find Eddie, who's now completely down in his luck and feeling totally powerless, and tells him that Drake is using homeless people in tests and that they're dying. She helps Eddie infiltrate the Life Foundation, and he finds a homeless woman who he knows from his neighbourhood infected with one of the organisms. He tries to free her, but it moves on to him, and it gives him superpowers and helps him to escape. We then see Eddie being taken over by the symbiote. He hears it talk in his head. It's making him eat all of the time. He ends up going to Anne and her new boyfriend, Dr. Dan, for help. They run blood tests and they tell him that he has a parasite. Dr. Skirth is discovered and killed after she gives up Eddie. The Life Foundation goons go to find him and the symbiote then helps Eddie fight them off and then escape. Eddie crashes his motorbike at the end of the chase and is seriously injured, but then the symbiote comes out, heals him, fully takes over his body, and then eats a man's head. Eddie and the symbiote begin to become friends, surprisingly, um, and it helps him to deliver evidence of Drake's crimes to his old boss at the news network. A SWAT team shows up, but Venom easily defeats them. 
Eddie is deteriorating, getting worse. So Anne drives him to the hospital. It's during this journey that we learn the exposition from Venom that the symbiotes are weak to high-frequency noise and fire. At the hospital, Dr. Dan tells Eddie that Venom is atrophying his heart. They separate Eddie from Venom using the high-pitched noise from an MRI scanner. But Eddie is taken away by the Life Foundation goons immediately afterwards. Venom then finds Anne and escapes with her instead. Eddie meets Drake, who interrogates him, showing him that the symbiote that escaped in Malaysia has made its way to him. He orders Eddie be taken to the woods and executed, and then goes to launch his next rocket. Venom and Anne arrive and save Eddie in the nick of time. Venom transfers back over to him, and as he rejoins Eddie, he sees his memories and says that the symbiote who is with Drake, who's called Riot, plans to use the rocket to bring back an army of symbiotes to consume humanity, but Venom wants to stop it. On his planet, Venom's a loser like Eddie, but here, after this, he won't be. We then have the standard, quite short superhero fight, and plays some feedback over some speakers and makes the symbiote separate. We think Eddie's dead, but then he's not, and Venom saves him. Then they blow up the rocket with Riot and Drake inside, and Venom sacrifices himself to save Eddie from the explosion. Cut to some time later, we see Eddie and Anne catching back up, and it's revealed that Venom is of course still alive. Eddie tells Venom that he can't just eat people, he'll only get to eat very bad people, but then Venom immediately eats a shoplifter um, with... Eddie explained to the people around him that he has a parasite. And then in our mid-credits scene, Eddie is invited to interview the incarcerated serial killer Cletus Cassidy, who promises carnage when he escapes. So, it probably won't come as a surprise to most of our listeners that we're all fans of superhero movies. Was this a first-time watch for any of you guys? No. 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 Did any of you then feel any differently watching it this time round than you did the first time has time changed your opinion on it in any way i was a bit more bored (laughs) (laughs) oh that doesn't bode well i think i i only watched it about a couple of months ago anyway during lockdown so it was all pretty fresh for me um i had it on in the background whilst also trying to come up with an idea um i think it I think it's good. It's a good film. I think Tom Hardy's good as an actor in it, playing that, um, you know, voice in his head and the different thing. But I just don't know if I believe him as Eddie Brock. Like, oh, this guy is a reporter. He he uh, he asks the hard questions, and I'm not just I just can't envisage him as mm. as Eddie Brock. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Too- chiseled and tom hardy isn't he yeah yeah. he's a bit too tom hardy yeah he i definitely think he like takes some bronson into this role like especially with his (laughs) with his um crazy times Mm. i i i think the venom is good in it but yeah like when you're explaining the synopsis yeah it is mental how like blase hears is about like just murdering people and like biting the heads <laughs> off of people and stuff some of the special effects they're all right they're not great i've watched a fair amount of corridor crew during lockdown yeah um, which i can it's a youtube channel that i can thoroughly recommend to anyone who's vaguely in special effects and they talk a lot about things having the wrong kind of momentum and weight yeah and there are some times where venom I think it's because Venom's so big, but he moves so fast. But it doesn't have... He never moves slowly. It's always really quick. And and when you see the Hulk in 
the modern MCU movies moving around. Yeah, he can move really fast, but there's there's power behind it as well. Where this, it something just feels off about it. It's even like in the opening segment isn't it with the woman when she bursts out of the ambulance the ambulance falls in such a weird way after it rolls for ages and then it Mm. falls in such a weird way that it doesn't look realistic i was like that's weird that's a weird cut where they've changed it from cg to then a real like van yeah um yeah i remember one thing when this came out was a lot of praise for the kind of comedy duo back and forth between Tom Hardy and Tom Was Hardy it the as right Venom. film though? Well, that's my question. Did did you did you like that? Is that something that you no, would I like didn't. to see I more? Did. I I thought it was fun. I thought there was some good lines between each of them. Um like the bit when he's telling him to jump out of the window and then he just takes the elevator and he goes pussy. I mean, it's darker, it's a comedy, it's Sony. Don't forget it's got the Sony stamp on it, so mm-hmm. it's always going to have a very different vibe to uh, the MCU and a Marvel Studios film. Um, I, I feel like it kind of needs the comedy in that it covers some of what we've discussed from the character perspective, that if we're going to have someone so blasé about the fact he's just chomped her head off in front of the shopkeeper at the end... You kind of need that vibe throughout, and I think it comes. Personally, I don't know. I I don't mind the Venom performance. I, it, it was kind of something I was like, and like, how do you make it better? And I don't know the answer to that in terms of how you'd perform it better. I think it's done amazingly because of Tom Hardy, as Ross has said, with his performance. But I kind of feel that that humor is almost one of its saving graces the more you watch it. Because yeah. it's the only way, really, to create a relationship with essentially only one person on camera half the time. You know, the scenes actually where Venom and Tom Hardy talk to each other, where the head sprouts out of his shoulder and they're having a conversation, was one of the first times that I was really kind of uninspired by the relationship between them. It's the mm-hmm. times you don't see Venom that I find the more entertaining and the more interesting in the relationship. I I yeah I'm like Matt I wanted more of that I wanted more of the voices and the the mm. you only especially like halfway through you only get a few where he's just going hungry hungry and then yeah. like eventually he starts to come out a little bit more but I would I would have liked more and obviously they, I'm going to do that in my sequel but uh, and they're also <laughs> probably going to do that in their sequel but like um I I yeah I agree with Matt in that sense that I think that is one of its strongest points is the relationship that he Tom Hardy has with Tom Hardy because Tom Hardy's voicing Venom which is weird so he's just voicing uh, so it's both Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy so yeah more Tom Hardy <laughs> is what we need Andy you you look like you disagreed about the comedy you look like you could have done with less of it no I don't know I, I was thinking. I wanted a bit more darker comedy. I wanted a bit more, like I liked how at first it was he was hard to control and stuff, and he was a nuisance basically. I would have liked that to carry on into like Act Three, and then they have left on more starting their relationship at the end of the film. Um, I can't really tell why. I've been trying to think. I I, more, I was more laughing at Venom when he spoke than like fear him. 
and I, I I can't really tell why. If it was like just not believable, or maybe the CGI, um, I I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, like a alone here because yeah, like the seems like majority were bought it, but well, I I'm I'm really boringly very very middle of the road on it because traditionally venom is more of an adult character as far as marvel comics goes Mm. and so i can and he and he he straight up kills a lot of people but then he also he kills fewer people he kills fewer bad guys than captain america or iron man do in their respective movies but captain america doesn't kill people you liar he Captain America absolutely straight up murders dudes. He's not a murder Gen- hobo. The first scene in Civil War when he breaks through that window or something, everyone's fucking dead. Yeah, me? when he's kick- kicking he guys into the, the railing of a cheap. boat for at like thirty Fuck. miles an hour at the beginning of um. <laughs> he's Winter fine. It's a, it's, yeah, we're just walking off. It's Don't fine. believe it. It's lies. Um, but so it's it's this weird kind of hypocritical part of my brain that's like I, I intellectually. I know that actually this guy kills way fewer people than some of the traditional heroes. And so I don't know maybe it's maybe it's that he doesn't go far enough but then to push the number of people that he kills further or to make it more horrific or more gory would then potentially make the comedy aspect of it feel even more weird because this is the other interesting thing is that before the movie came out there was some back and forth between Kevin Feige at Marvel and Amy Pascal at Sony where Kevin Feige came out and was like no 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 this isn't this is in no way related to the MCU or or the Spider-Man that's in the MCU or anything like that and then Amy Pascal came out afterwards and was like no well yeah kind of maybe it is and then and then they had to come back out again and be like no 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 it's definitely not it definitely isn't no sorry yeah, about that no it definitely isn't to you. Um, and so I I wonder if the the quippy comedy and the buddy comedy which maybe doesn't fit the original idea of the character but i also feel like worked really nicely um was there in order to make it more mcu friendly okay ross what was your least favorite thing about the film least favorite bit of the film was Woody Harrelson's hair at the end <laughs> of, uh, of that, that that bit at the end. Uh, that was my and my favourite bit was Tom Hardy jumping into a lobster tank, which apparently yep. was not planned. Apparently, he decided to do that. I'm not sure how much gravitas that has in, in I, that fact. I saw that come up quite a lot when I was doing some reading. I, but I also saw that he said on set he wanted to do that, but then they had to go away and build a reinforced one that he could jump in. Yeah. So, like, he, he gets the cred the for being yeah. like, oh, yeah, I improv that, but it also involved, <laughs> yeah. a, a, like... In three months, I'll I'll sit in that, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those are my favourite. Uh, actually, cool. I was joking. The, my favourite bit is probably the uh, bike. The bike scene was actually pretty cool. But, yeah. yeah. Cool. Andy, least favourite? Um, Least favourite bit? I mean, it's hard, because I didn't enjoy a lot of the film. It's not. For, I watched that a couple of days ago, and I can't really remember most of it. Is, can I say that's my worst bit about it that I can't remember most of it? All right, then. What was your favourite bit? Um, what did stay in your memory? Definitely the pussy line. That was quite funny. Um, You're a class act. Yeah, because I, I I genuinely laughed. Probably that. I'm trying to think of anything else that thrilled me. Um, 
That's fair, man. Yeah. If that's right. what stood out. Yeah. Matt, least favorite thing? Uh, the least. My least favorite bit was actually more the concept that, yeah, pre Venom, Eddie Brock was just a bit of a dick. Uh, you talk about it the way that he was with Anne, like how they painted it to be such an amazing relationship, but. You know, they kind of they just didn't sell it enough. I didn't believe enough that he was all about himself. Like there mm-hmm. was just not enough build up, so I didn't believe that. But Fair one. then one of my favourite bits is I have just the bit where Venom rocks up as Anne kicks ass, and then kind of oh female Venom, <laughs> female yeah. Venom yeah. who is Anne rocks up, and they kind of share that moment, and I feel like that sums up their relationship much better than the opening <laughs> quarter of an hour where it looks like they're all happy and, you know, everything's wonderful where actually they're really rough and there's a definite flaw in their relationship. Okay, so, Ross, your score out of five, please. Uh, I'm going to give it three Woody Harrelson wigs out of five. <laughs> Very good. Andy? Ooh. I'm going to give it one and a half turds rolling in the wind. Or blowing in the wind. Blowing in the wind? I think it's blowing in the wind. Blowing in the wind, yeah. You'd be a turd blowing in the wind. (laughs) Uh, Someone like Richard Nixon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give it three we need more Dr. Dan's in the world out of five. (laughs) And I think I am going for 2.5 out of 5, which gives us a score of exactly 2.5 out of 5. It's a very average movie, so that kind of works. Episode 6, Venom, is officially our lowest rated movie. Wow. Oh, shit. Primarily driven by Andy's (laughs) 1.5 out of 5. Did not like. So... There we have it. There's our score for the film. And now, I suppose, it's time to get your sequels pitched. The rules of the pitches are really simple. You have your chance to pitch me your idea without any interruption. And I really want you to sell me on it and really make me feel it, make me know what's happening in this movie. Afterwards, I'll have a couple of questions for each of you once you've finished. Then you will all have a chance to persuade me why I should pick your movie over the other two with this movie specifically there's there's a lot of kind of inside baseball stuff going on um because we're nerds who follow this stuff quite closely so we know about the deal between marvel and sony and the ins and outs of that a little bit more than most people but what i will say is i'm going with blue sky thinking here so if your pitch is involving peter parker or or just bringing the entire MCU along for the ride. If it's a good pitch, then we're assuming that Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal sorted it out and it all is all fine. Also, I would ask if you've based any of your pitch on existing comic runs or story arcs, I won't count that against you if it's been used well, but I would like you to make it clear that you've done that. For the audience as well, at this point, assuming COVID doesn't work its magic, at time of recording, there is still coming this summer a official sequel to this film and is going to be called Venom Let There Be Carnage um, directed by none other than Andy Serkis. No way, is that what it's titled? Yeah. 
I mean, there is the mid-credit sequence which specifically introduces Carnage. My title was basically called There Will Be Carnage because I was like, that's a great line, I'm going to use that. <laughs> no way i thought when i read it i was like you just copied the sequel's name no i didn't i, I remembered andy circus as a director but I, that's all i can remember i didn't know if anything else came out so you remember the oh, director you don't gonna... remember the title yeah andy, andy andy researches really hard for these episodes <laughs> listeners he really goes in depth really knows his stuff on that note then we may as well start with andy Andy, what's the what's your title again? My title was very creative. It's called Venom Two: There Will Be Carnage. There will be carnage, rather than let there be carnage. So oh no, mine is there will be carnage because I think that cool. was the end line. But if not, yes. I'm, I'm going to keep mine. No, mine no, it was, better. it was. So, without further ado, tell me what happens in your movie. Okay, three, two, one, go. So we open on a fight scene with Venom stopping a bank heist. Venom goes to bite someone shooting at him, but we hear Eddie scream, No, he's not that bad. As Venom runs away from the police, Eddie is happy they're working as a team, but Venom is annoyed that his thoughts go unnoticed. He asks, how can they be a team if Venom has no control? Eddie says that uh, he's worried about Venom's aggressive side, as that's all, as all he wants to do is go around biting everyone's heads off. If Eddie hadn't been there today to stop Venom, things could have gotten much worse. They share an in-joke, and I'm thinking it's something like they're uh, just the two of us between Bill Withers. They don't sing it; they just like say the uh, they say the lyrics. Maybe um, Venom saying the last saying like you and you and I, like the end line. <laughs> um, <laughs> Eddie goes back to see uh, Cletus Cassidy at prison, uh, and he does a normal round of questions for a new show that's coming out called Making a Murderer. He asks Cassidy if he feels any remorse for the killings he's committed, but Cassidy laughs and says he can't ignore the voice in his head, because if he doesn't listen to the voice in his head, the voice eventually makes its way way outside the head. He asks Eddie if he always listens to the voice inside his head. Eddie is confused, but Cassidy starts singing. Eddie calls it for a day and returns home. Eddie gets invited to dinner around Anne's house, and together they discuss what's happened between the films. Basically nothing. They're, bo- they're both in the same position, but it's a couple of months or whatever, like, um, since the first film. Uh, Eddie admits, Ven- uh, admits that Venom is still inside him, but they're working together to stop bad things happening to good people. Anne asks, if Eddie decides who's good, does Venom decide who's bad? How much, does Ed- how much has Eddie been changed by Venom? What happens when they don't agree? Eddie says everything is fine, but the pair get in a fight, and Eddie throws a vase at Anne, who only just manages to dodge the attack. Eddie leaves and asks, who just threw that, him or Venom? Venom says things can't go on as they are. Eddie is weak and Anne is a fool. He, tra- he feels trapped, and if Eddie doesn't start letting him loose, he will leave Eddie and take over another body, and then go on a rampage. Eddie says it's his body, his rules. Eddie drives back to the prison to see Cassidy. When he sees him, Cassidy starts talking about a new dawn of a new breed of apex predators. Cassidy starts to turn into Carnage and starts killing the prison officers. Eddie tries to get Venom out, but he doesn't show. Carnage then starts to talk to Venom inside Eddie, talking about how he's currently trapped in a cage instead of being free and living life with no restrictions. He's right, Venom says, as he starts to come out. But Eddie can sense that Venom means harm and tries to resist, but there's no use. Carnage and Venom are let loose in San Francisco. Uh, so this next bit could either be a dream sequence or it could be real. Um, well, given how much you hate dream sequences, apparently, let's yeah, make it real, shall we? Right. <laughs> I, bet, I, bet I win because of it. I put it in because it won last week. All right, so 
he uh, Eddie wakes up in an old abandoned fairground and Venom starts talking about how he will be in charge now and Eddie will only be used as a host. Eddie, while walking around the rides, is told that as soon as he met Cassidy, Venom could sense something powerful within him. And every time he was talking about the voice in his head, he was talking about Carnage. Venom talks about the night, bef- the night before where he and Carnage caused destruction and mayhem, killing innocent people. Eddie says that Venom can't do that. They had, they had an agreement. Eddie walks into a house of mirrors and we have a cool scene where Eddie has seen Venom and all the mirrors around him. Venom says that things are different now. Carnage has shown how Venom, how uh, strong Venom is and how weak Eddie is. We have a cool scene where they're talking about one, bo- uh, one body but two minds. Venom says that he has all the power in the relationship and he overpowers Eddie and walks out of a mirror and bites Eddie's head. Then we have an awesome Carnage and uh, Venom versus police rampage scene. Uh, after that, Carnage talks about how he and Venom could take over this puny world. Venom talks about killing all the world's leaders while Carnage would devour every country's army. As they swing slash jump over rooftops, Venom stops in midair as if, as if shot by a bullet and falls to the ground. Eddie can be heard trying to talk to Venom, trying to break free. Carnage uh, sees this and starts calling Venom weak, hitting him violently and telling him not to let the weakness take over. Venom shakes his head, smiles, and they continue on. Carnage takes Venom to the scene of the crashed spaceship that landed in the first film that's, that's been cornered off by the government. Uh, Carnage explains to Venom, but really more the audience, uh, more about the symbiotes and how they can take over the universe, not just the world. They will have the planets bow at their feet and have trillions die. Venom can still hear the faint cry of Eddie in his head. Carnage says that he's been working on a way off this planet and the last thing he needs is chemicals found inside human blood. Carnage asks if Venom knows anyone who should have their blood drained from their body. Venom smiles. Cut to interior and apartment night. Anne comes home from shopping and starts putting the food away. She puts on the TV news. Cut back to Carnage and Venom swinging slash jumping over to Anne's apartment. Venom again mid jump falls to the ground. Eddie comes through and asks why is he going to kill Anne? Venom says Eddie should be happy. Anne doesn't want to get back with Eddie, and Eddie is too weak to get her. She seems like the perfect the perfect person. They have a tug of war mind game until Carnage comes back and starts calling. Venom weak again, hitting him harder than before. Eddie asks if this is the friend that Venom wants, and their relationship wasn't perfect, but they seem to bring out the best in each other. They have another tug-of-war, back-and-forth mind game until Carnage says he's had enough of Venom, and he's too weak to take over the universe. He goes to strike Venom, but Venom kicks him away. Venom stands up and reveals half of Eddie's face, and they have the same in-joke from the start, just the two of us. Carnage says he's weak uh, because of his human heart, referring to Eddie. Venom says his human heart makes him part of the planet, and Carnage will not destroy it. The end is Carnage and Venom have a race to Anne's apartment while fighting along the way. Carnage is stronger and faster, so he gets to Anne's apartment first. We have a scene where Anne is hiding and running, and like a little bit of a scary scene from Carnage. As Anne is trapped and just about to die, Venom comes in to save her. Carnage and Venom fight, and Carnage overpowers Venom. Venom and Eddie realise they have to work together. With Venom's strength and Eddie's cunning, they lure Carnage to a train track. Venom suggests going into the tunnel so that an oncoming train would create enough noise to hurt Carnage. Eddie says, no, that would kill you as well, but Venom takes over and starts running towards the tunnel as Carnage follows. Halfway down the tunnel, they fight and a train approaches. The train sees these two monsters and starts to break. The ear-piercing sound starts to hurt Carnage badly, as well as Venom. People on this train start jumping onto the grassy bank and at the last moment, moment Venom rips Eddie from him and throws him, into, uh, throws him to safety next to the other passengers. The train hits Carnage, starts to flip and roll in the tunnel, causing the tunnel to blow up. Last scene. 
Eddie is talking to Anne at her new apartment. Anne asks if Venom. Uh, Anne asks if he's sad. Venom is finally gone. But Eddie says no because I always have a little piece of him in me. Annie, uh, Anne smiles and Eddie leaves and starts whistling just the two of us. Suddenly we hear Venom speak the lyrics. Eddie says it's just lucky Venom could slowly replicate himself from a small blob left on him, and he could have told uh, he could have told Eddie instead of thinking Venom was going to die. Venom laughs and asks if Eddie would have missed him. Eddie says, of course I would have missed you, pal. You're like a giant hug that's going on inside my body. Okay. And that... Okay. I've, right. I've got, I've got an after-credit scene, but it's... Eh. Well, come on. It, it, well, the after-credit scene is... It's involved... Uh, like, they... Um, uh, Tom Hardy's walking somewhere, basically, and runs into Andrew Garfield. Because <laughs> I was like, either that could be part of their own little universe, or you could bring... When well, the Andrew actor. Garfield go, comes over to Tom Holland, yeah, yeah. he could yeah, come with Venom. Yeah, walks into Andrew Garfield just as Andrew Garfield, yeah, not Andrew as Garfield. Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I should have mentioned as Peter Parker. Sorry. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Lucky the social network. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's it's there, but it's, it's not going to impact the film or anything. So. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, there is There's some good stuff in there. I There's a fair amount in there that I really like. Um, the questions I have for you to cover... Um, first off, my dude, how does the symbiote get onto Cletus Cassidy in order to infect him to become Carnage? Because as far as we see, mm. he goes to see him twice and then he just becomes Carnage. Oh, there is I'm, no I'm explanation. Going off, I've gone off the impression that he was infected at the end of the first film. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, in that case, why then would he allow himself to wait there for so long? Because he wants Venom, just like but, more, just more strength. He could see Venom as but, he could see Venom possibly as an enemy at first, and then he's just like, no, you're. He's seen that he's so trapped by Eddie that he needs he uh, he's easily persuaded to come out. Isn't there only four symbiotes from the from the spacecraft, and two of them die? And then there's only Venom and Riot. No, no. No, that could be another one. Riot is one of the ones that dies. So there is, there's, there is one left somewhere. No, because... Yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah, them... well, I was like, with that last line, I was like, oh, he's definitely Carnage already. I don't know why he's waiting in, in, in jail. In mine, it's, it's, he just wants to wait for Venom, I guess. I was. I thought there was uh, two that died in in um, in the lab. He puts one on the doctor. Because it's Drake. Yeah, but then Carnage, when, he, when Carnage still talked to Venom, in, in in my Act Three, he could just say, "Oh, um, they thought they, they thought does. there was four, but I sneaked away at the at the start." That's, That's fine. Easy. I was That's I was easy. just double checking okay. anyway. I was just mm-hmm. uh, that was just more for me. For me, that that opens some holes for me personally because. If he wants Venom, Venom's visited him twice before he decides to break out the third time. Yeah, but he's he sucking them out. That's what you always do. He's playing poker, basically. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, next question. The So Eddie and Venom's relationship deteriorates because Venom feels like he's being controlled by Eddie, um, which, is, which is a good kind of character conflict to have between the two characters. What... I would like you to just say right now, off the top of your head, how would you change it so that the thing that turns Venom good again is Eddie doing something positive rather than it mainly being Carnage being negative and beating him? Because for me, it that it just I want a more positive 
reason for that to happen. I want to get to the end of the film and believe that Eddie and Venom are going to be on the same page where ultimately the only reason that their relationship goes back is because Venom's like, oh, fuck, this guy's even worse than Eddie. But no, no, Eddie, Eddie comes through problem. to him. Eddie's like his human side. That's like the whole thing with the, his human heart is, that, is Venom's starting to, if is, you know, start to become human. He's starting to like soften. I, I always saw their relationship as like little brother, big brother. That's how I wrote this pitch as well. Like Venom's a little brother that doesn't like hit the big brother telling him he can't eat, you know, sweets for breakfast. Um, that's what like when they can't, you know, they, um, uh, I can't remember the fucking thing I wrote now. Um, they bring out the best in each other. Like uh, his, his strength for his cunning. Um, yeah, for me, it was, it was never, it was never Venom going, Oh, I need Eddie. It's a, if anything's I miss Eddie, it's, it's him going, this isn't right. It's Eddie's at that point being the Venom's conscience. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Thank you, Andy. Um, we will come back to you in a couple of pitches up next i'm gonna go to ross hello hello um ross what is the title for your pitch please my pitch is called we are venom we are venom yeah very good let's hear what it's all about in three two one go one year after the events of the first movie we open with a bank robbery weird because uh, i did not know that andy picked a bank robbery uh, <laughs> it's such Fran- an easy superior thing though isn't it yeah in san francisco some criminals are holding up a group of civilians and stealing money then all of a sudden eddie brock saunters in and, and the bank robbers immediately point their guns at him and say who the hell are you he retorts, we have Venom. They laugh. He laughs back and says, ready? Uh, well, then we hear Venom's voice say, ready. And he transforms into Venom. We cut outside the bank and all the bank robbers fly through the windows from the inside and land with a thud. Venom jumps outside and eats three of the robbers and is about to eat the last one when we hear Eddie say, hey, I told you only two. Uh, Venom puts the man down and hurls him across the street. Cut to the title, We Are Venom. Um, We cut to a news montage with various different reports of Venom saving the day. And we establish that he is wanted by the police for his brutal methods of justice. This is interlaced with interviews of random people on the street spouting their love for Venom and insert some funny lines about him there with, you know, some comedy. I, you know, I don't want to write the comedy. It's, it'll write itself. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have some establishing uh, of Eddie's reporting work thriving and his criminal fighting as well. Um, his relationship with Anne is back again. She left the doctor and is back with Brock, but still has no idea that Venom is inside him. Uh, she has kind of like an inkling like she does in the end of the first movie um, but not like a wholeheartedly he keeps it quite secret we then cut to a NASA facility and some scientists have picked up a large object heading towards Earth it's a comet and the scanners have picked up life forms on it thousands we then cut to Eddie's boss looking over some information that uh, he obtained from an unknown source about the NASA's discovery He calls Eddie to find out what he can. Um, Eddie is busy eating a criminal at this point, um, and he answers, and there's a comedy thing with him and Venom. Uh, He then heads to the NASA headquarters and tries to get an interview with someone, uh, but to no avail. So he decides to break in with Venom. He learns of the comet, and Venom immediately recognizes it as the one that he was on with the thousand other symbiotes. 
they get caught by security and have to make a quick escape. Venom pushes Eddie to head to the old headquarters of Life Foundation, as he's sure they're involved somehow. They find the headquarters run down and abandoned after some snooping. They find records that um, before his death, Riot sent a probe slash message towards the comet, telling them in the event of his death to come to the planet. Venom angrily smashes the computer in which they're watching the message from. They um, need to stop this comet before it's too late, so they decide to head back to NASA, and they tell them all the information that he found out. And the only way to stop it is if they blow the comet up. NASA informs them that it's too late. They can destroy most of the comet, but the fragments will hit Earth. Um, Eddie says to NASA, It's okay, because we're Venom. Yeah, just really hammering that title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> NASA blow it up. Uh, there, there's some bit, bit in, these are like cliff notes. There, there'll be like scenes in between. But yeah, NASA blow it up and the fragments of the comet you see split apart and they land in different areas of the world. Um, we cut to a prison yard. We see Cletus Cassidy walking around uh, in the exercise yard. We then He looks up and sees an asteroid falling from the sky and it lands with a thud in, in the middle of the yard. He approaches it and the symbiote attaches it to him. It's carnage. Oh my goodness. He then proceeds to kill everyone in the prison and escapes. Cut back to Brock and Venom. They learn of the places the fragments of the comet landed on and Eddie notes them all down. Cut to San Francisco. The streets are all peaceful and then all of a sudden carnage appears and causes havoc. People eating left and right and um, not people eating left and right. Eating people (laughs) left and right. Uh, (laughs) destroying vehicles and buildings. Eddie and Venom see this on the news and they rush there. What ensues is a 30-minute fight scene, much more expanded than the first one. They have some quick lines in between. They're like, oh, it's you, Venom. I can't believe you. You left us on that asteroid. You're a... Uh, Carnage is smashed up against a fuel truck which has been leaking and Venom looks at a fuel trail by his feet. Carnage shouts, you can't defeat us you can't defeat all of us we will destroy this planet venom and venom retorts i can't but we can then uh you see half of eddie's face appear and he flicks the lighter uh, that eddie had in his pocket and the carnage is defeated <laughs> or so he thinks um but they still have many more symbiotes to find trilogy <laughs> there you go we're going to have to start having a rule that, like... <laughs> no trilogies. No, no trilogies. trilogies. <laughs> Hashtag no trilogies. Um, but not today. Um, okay, thank you very much, Ross. Um, Good. I have some... Yeah, I have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> Go for it. And another... Just one ever so slight plot hole that stood out to me. Yes. Which is that if that's... If that's the comet that they found Venom on in the first place Mm -hmm. and brought him back from. I, because this is the kind of random stuff that I wish my brain how far away it is. Yeah, I am. Like the 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 space shuttle went from Earth, got to a comet which is heading towards Earth. It got there, got the things, and then came back and beat it back by a year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. You don't have to worry about that. It's just small details. Oh, good. Okay. All right. As long as I don't need to worry about it, that's fine. Um, Okay. But yeah. 
that's me me being nitpicky but yeah they got like yeah. they got advanced spaceships it's fine like... yeah yeah yeah, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um okay so out of curiosity yes um as yours is like sequely sequel the sequel <laughs> um do you have just a, a broad sketch of what the sequel would be beyond just Venom is hunting down the other symbiotes, uh, or is that as far as it as would in go in your mind? The, for the now? third one, yes, yeah. I think that maybe it would be World War Venom, World okay. War V, <laughs> yeah, World War V, very good crossover. Oh, god, um, that's your excellent. pitch from World War Z is coming into your trilogy. Yeah, yeah, this is oh, the- god, it's a universe. <laughs> I'm creating a universe within my own pitches. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A little while in England, there's a factory with a Charlie and the Chocolate factory happening. A giant gorilla comes (laughs) with a rock riding on his back. Yeah, yeah, so I would say that, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but it would be something along the lines of he would have to team up. Maybe there would be some fighting. And not all the symbiotes would be evil, but maybe... And I also don't think that Carnage would be dead. I think I'd bring him back as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that. I was no, just curious. Um, okay, so you've you've specified that it's going to be a much longer fight scene with Carnage, um, which is good because the first movie sort of suffers with yeah. what is what feels like a, quite an anticlimactic fight. Yeah. Have you have you got any? any thoughts anything that you could throw in as like mini subplots or sequences that you can see happening during that fight or any motifs any kind of imagery that you would want to be iconic i think um i think the similar to the first one you'd have a lot of like if there's any noise or anything there'd be a lot of separation i'm 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 envisaging it similar to the first one but more expanded um working on the fact that both of them would maybe separate from them and then you see the serial killer and maybe there'd be a bit where there's actually just Eddie Brock fighting the serial killer. What, I can't remember his name. Bloody Cletus. Um, um, uh, he's actually just fighting him one-on-one and then the alien symbiotes have just managed to... Because he kind of does it in in the first one. He forms a head. like So maybe they form sort of a body with something yeah. or something and then they fight without the hosts but then they, they're not strong enough so they have to come back to Eddie and Thingy um, nice comedy moment of just like a slap fight <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. cool very good love it um, next one yeah uh, how so Anne Anne doesn't know uh, Anne Anne doesn't really have does Anne have more to do in this film other than have that film with Ed, that, that scene with Eddie at the beginning, I maybe she might have a couple of scenes in between, like before the actual fight with um with the uh, carnage and stuff. Maybe he goes back to the thing and he's working really hard, and she's like, "But I don't see her." I I envisage just because I what I wanted to see in the first one is more of just Eddie and um, Venom, and I. I thought that that detracted from, like, him having this whole thing with, like, her. I think that detracted. I think it was a good subplot, but I, th- I it was a subplot, and I didn't really want to expand on that in this film. Fair enough. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's me done. Yes, Thank you very good. much, Ross. I'm going to win now. Good. 
Um, Matthew, Hello. what is the title for your <clears> film? <throat> the title for my sequel is Venomous, which is Venom hyphen us US. Oh, you and your fucking puns. Hey, it's perfect for my pitch. <laughs> You'll understand why it's called Venom Us in my pitch. Okay. Okay. Oh my god, there's this, such a good ma- pun in my pitch. <laughs> Listeners, this this man works in marketing. Yeah. Um, he gets paid by the so, pun. So. Yeah, apparently so. So, Matt, if you can tell us your story in three, two, one, go. It's been three months since the Life Foundation incident. Eddie Brock and his parasite BFF are single-handedly cleaning up the city or publishing some hard-hitting stories under the newly formed Reality Bites newsfeed by night, and working as a security guard for the local warehouse by day. Their relationship is typically unique, and they share every aspect of Brock's life together, no matter how intimate. Cue a weird hookup scene where they're in a bar and they have like a bit of a fling with a, with somebody. Um <laughs> There is, however, something brewing under the surface, and that is surrounding Anne. But it isn't coming from Eddie Brock. It's not his puppy dog love for her, more it's Venom who is starting to pine for her. One afternoon, they Mm. bump into Anne, because, yeah, completely unplanned, and Brock is typically uncouth. Anne, for some stupid reason, is charmed by this man again rather than Dr. Dan uh, and she cannot help but offer like a lingering smile at the end of their interaction which is interrupted by Dr. Dan cutting the sexual tension with his doctor's scalpel it doesn't take a neurosurgeon to work out there's something not right in this body (laughs) there's something else not right though and as Anne and Dan go inside starting an argument Venom lurches out of Eddie's body towards Anne, desperate to attach to her again. So to say, Eddie isn't cool with it, drags it back. Venom and him leave a way to have a bit of a bro chat. They're way too distracted by this bro chat to notice a globulous present that's in fact been there the whole time slip through the door and into Anne's place. The two bezies go round into a convenient side allotment, side side alleyway something or other and they have a bit of a chat and they start to have it out venom is explaining that basically there's something about her that eddie brock can't offer something more powerful something more personal eddie naturally makes it really weird and starts kind of being a bit objectified and own like kind of starts acting like he owns Anne. and he explains that venom can't have her it's all quite misogynistic and a bit demeaning and oh shit Anne is only fucking stood there, listening in. I'm not even going to go into detail about how pathetic and disrespectful you two sound right now, but I'm kind of glad to see you, as it turns out you're not the only one who stayed on Earth. She then kicks off, kind of being like, why didn't you tell me he stayed to Eddie? And then kind of composes herself again and goes, there's another one of you that's latched itself onto me, my fiance. <gasps> Stunned on two counts. <laughs> one to see Anne obviously stood there listening to their horrible demeaning conversation but also she's fucking engaged to Dan anyway Brock gets back to his feet and Anne kind of grabs onto him to pull him up but oh no Benham instantly shifts his symbiotic state over to Anne leaving Eddie alone 
Anne is disturbed, to say the least, to begin with, but welcomes the power that comes with it, as she hints in the first film. And she dashes towards the house, and the two symbiotes fight. In the middle of this fight in Anne's house, uh, the symbiotes talk, and it's revealed that the new one calls itself Remnant. and is, in fact, the same symbiote that was latched onto Drake, Riot. Pinning Venom to the floor, it explains how it survived by absorbing some of the rocket fuel to strengthen itself and also be able to create a resistance to fire. Uh, it then can also now use fire as a weapon uh, and it lights its hand on fire, ready to plunge it into Venom. However, just then, Eddie cranks on the sound system in the home convenient sound system, causes both science symbiotes to squirm and whatnot. He grabs the subwoofer speaker and shoves it into Remnant, uh, which lurches in pain, screams in pain, and darts out the house. Venom and Anne are lying there in pain and confused and scared from the encounter. Uh, right, how are they going to deal with Remnant? This is the start conversation. The three minds devise a plan, but but one that's kind of going to take some sacrifice from Venom. He's going to have to hear to sound waves. He's going to have to get used to it. And Eddie and Anne both need something that kind of gives off sound waves when they want it to. Something like a glove, so that like when they punch it, it hurts it. But who can help? Ha <laughs> ha! Brock remembers a cutting-edge scientist he once did a piece on from Queens, who's currently convenient in, uh, conveniently in L.A. at the moment on a science conference. One focused on advanced prosthetics and robotics, who may just be able to help. <laughs> Dr. Otto Octavius. Then there's a quip from Brock about, he has this weird assistant though, so if he's there, you're welcome to eat him. Off to L.A. they go. <laughs> yeah, it's this point that the extended Marvel Universe, the coincidental shit like that that happens from time to time. Who are the fuck is not Doc Octavius there in L.A.? But anyway, anyway Doc Ock, Venom and Spider-Man, they're all in the movie together for this one like little cameo moment. Um, they meet up. Doc Octavius learns all about Venom, actually. I don't know why they don't hide it from him. Um, and not only does he create two frequentifier gloves, he calls them frequentifiers, that he gives to Brock and Anne, he's also genius enough to realise that a magnet attached into these gloves can actually allow Venom to jump like up to 50 feet between the two of them. Don't ask why a magnet, I couldn't be bothered to do the background research for it. I'm going with magnet. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not expecting you to actually like invent the theory to make these things work, it's fine. It, it's I attracted was. to my point. Shush, and I've not finished yet. <laughs> but however, yeah, it's so that Venom can jump between this couple who have definitely just friends, inverted commas. So yeah, we jump back to San Fran. Uh, Remnant is now controlling Daniel completely. He's taken over. Daniel's too weak to fight him. Uh, is now back in the Abandoned Life Foundation. Homage to Ross jumping back to that scene. Uh, but he's restarting the facility using the memories that he has from Drake that he managed to absorb when Drake died or something, uh, and his knowledge. There's actually a second ship there, really conveniently, that can take Remnant back to the comet. He begins final preparations for this spaceship to take off, and right on unwelcome cue, in burst Venom and Anne, kind of dressed in kick-ass garb now. Uh, Venom's obviously back inside Eddie. Uh, begin super crazy fight with some awesome kick-ass scenes like uh, where Brock and Venom dive towards Remnant and just as uh, as they go to punch him, Venom absorbs over to uh, to Anne using the glove. Um, Brock punches him with the frequentifier glove and then kind of goes under his legs. Then Venom jumps back 
to Brock who grabs uh, grabs Remnant and then Anne jumps in with a punch as well. Like, it's all pretty kick-ass. But obviously, eventually, Remnant starts to take over and clearly starts working this out. He's much cleverer. He's got all this knowledge now. Uh, the fighting proceeds until Brock and... Uh, what Daniel? It's not Daniel. <laughs> until Brock and uh, Remnant get kind of trapped uh, in the in the test cell, uh, Anya uses first like a CO two dowsing thing that they have often in labs for fire, and it kind of douses the flames that is in Remnant. Um, but then the screaming and Venom realizes the only way, the only thing really she can do is uh, hit the big red button. Tears crawling down her face like she's really upset. She activates the sound amplifiers in the room and the two symbiotes break away from the two men, cry, scream in pain and then fall motionless. Dan awakens, sees Anne there, then looks at Brock. I know. I know about your kiss. I know about LA. I know about everything. Remnant taught me everything. And with that, he manages to smash through the plexiglass. How the fuck he does that? I don't know. And escapes the site. And comfort, comforts Brock and tells him they should get out of there. They scoop up the lifeless symbiote mass of venom and realize suddenly that Remnant isn't there. <gasps> no. No time there. They escape the Life Foundation blows up because conveniently the rocket's been taken off the whole time, but the hatch never opened. Boom. There goes the Life Foundation. <sighs> That's kind of where I got to. I don't know. There's probably an ending scene somewhere. Mid credit scene, <laughs> very late into it. I don't know. That's kind of, I felt like that was, Fuck it. Look, the real ending to my films, my post credit scene. Okay, there's a mid credit scene cutting back to Cletus and Carnage because I completely forgot to insert that into my pitch earlier. Um, and then there's there's a post credit scene, obviously. One showing Doc Ock and Tom Holland's Peter Parker chilling on a plane, heading back to NYC. <laughs> Also on that plane is a very subdued and stern-looking chap who catches Peter's eye, and Parker feels trembles this weird, sick, spidey sense kicks in. And then we come back to see Dr. Dan sat in the chair, looks out of the window, the camera starts panning away, but as we do, we see the symbiote eye mass fluttering around his pupils like they did in the first Venom. The end. Okay. Um, okay. Some very cool ideas in there. Um, my questions for you, I'm going to keep these quick because we're running quite long. Um, so, this time, at, at the end of your film, Venom is dead. Am I correct? In, like, he appears dead. But so, so is, is that, you said there might be an extra scene at the end of the movie. I want to know what that extra scene is. Um, I think it's like... Sorry, I realised when you asked that question, I just lifted my hands as if it was obvious you could see me and none of the listeners knew what I did. It was just awkward silence. <laughs> um, I am very much picturing perhaps off the cuff of my... Like, at the top of my head, because that's what all amazing people do. Um, it's, just, it's basically like the end of Guardians, where, you know, there's Baby Groot and it's it kind of buds and shows that it's alive again. Perhaps, you know, the symbiote mess um, oh, is okay. they carry it back, they get back to Anne's destroyed place or maybe they go back to Eddie Brock's flat, one of the two, um, and they put it there and you kind of show them consoling each other. They clearly have an affinity and affection to this, uh, to Venom, um, as they comfort each other on a nice sofa and then perhaps we just see like a start of a movement 
of the you know the globulous mass just forming, or perhaps even a venom smirk can appear or something. Okay, cool. Um, given the mid-credit scene from the first movie, why why not go with Carnage? Um, because I thought. Considering the next official sequel is Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and I've not seen it yet, I didn't want to go down the Carnage route because I want to see that one first, and perhaps I can do a sequel pitch to Venom, Let There Be Carnage someday. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I suspect that will probably happen. Bring it on. I, for me, I don't know. I just I think it's because I just really enjoyed that scene where. That was kind of why it was my favourite scene. I think that there was just something about the fact that Venom could seamlessly transfer between the two of them that I thought could be really cool and could be worth exploring as something completely left field and different. No, fair enough. Um, One thing, there's, there's, there's a fair time jump between when Eddie and Anne go to LA to meet Uh Doc Ock and then he makes them the gloves and then they go back and they manage to find yeah. Remnant. What is Remnant doing during that time? I think it, it's probably, you know, we could have scenes that are just showing um, Dan and Remnant. Like, I think we need to see more of the struggle of Dan, Dr. Dan trying to break away from Remnant, but Remnant clutches on and slowly kind of takes over him. And the more that he manages cool. to get hold of Dr. Dan, I think, you know, we can have like agonizing flashbacks of the moment the ship explodes and then it can kind of go backwards through its memories and kind of pick up more and more of what Drake had got bedded into him. So I think that cool. can be a good way to fill that time and show the journey that uh, Remnant is on whilst, you know, Venom's in LA chilling for a week or two. Excellent. Okay. Um, thank you very much, guys. Going to keep this as short as possible. I'm going to keep you to like one minute max each, if at all possible. Then I'm going to go back through and let you tell me why I should pick you over your compatriots. Uh, so we will start off with Andy. Andy, why should I be going with you? Mine focuses on what I think Venom is really about, which is the the dual personality, good, bad, shoulder devil, shoulder angel. Um... Uh, and really explores that uh it's got great action uh it's got um the uh a lot of rememberable things which i didn't take away from the first one uh, especially the mirror scene um yeah i just i just mine uh, mine mine's a bit uh, mine's gonna be a bit darker i'd say it'd be it'd, it'd still have jokes and be a little bit darker but it will focus mainly on the on the two stars it'll be uh, eddie and venom and how they do bring out the best in each other and they do you know balance each other out Okay. Uh, Ross, why should I pick you over the other two? So if you, you you shouldn't pick Andy's because his doesn't make, like, there's no journey at all between the two. They end up even worse off than they were in the first film. There's no, there's no relationship between them because he will just turn on him like that. And there's no, and there's a massive plot hole in terms of where carnage came from you shouldn't pick matt's because matt is solely based on just getting doc ock in and he didn't even finish the movie as well (laughs) so uh, i think you should pick mine because mine has a good character progression you have uh, the relationship which is the core thing that made the 
the uh, first one good between Venom and Tom Hardy. And also, you want to get the symbiotes onto Earth so that we can set up a universe for more films. Okay. And lastly, Matthew. Um, Andy's got some wonderful scenes in his with plot holes um, as covered. Ross, I feel, is, I feel that Ross has been a little rich uh, talking about the fact that he also had some very vague, uh, I think he called them channeling <laughs> scenes that he hadn't written himself and was happy to let writers do. I, liberty, I, am just bringing, I am just bringing a synopsis, a plan. You know, I'm just bringing ideas to the table here. This is a pitch, not a script. Um so that's, I think that's a flawed argument. For me, I personally think that, you know, we're at a point here where everyone's kind of done with just seeing action guys. You know, it's about bringing equality to the, uh, to the workplace and equality to the franchise and certainly carrying on that legacy and that ethos that Marvel have been running with recently of strong female characters and really giving Anne spotlight here as more than just Tom Hardy's Mrs. Stroke X Mrs. then Dr. Dan's Mrs. Like, you know, she she's a strong character and I feel like this really gives a platform to have a strong female lead alongside a very strong Tom Hardy lead. Okay, thank you. Um right, to wrap this up then, I can only pick one movie. Um and this one's properly hard um i'm finding this one really really hard all three have some plot holes um but all all three have some genuinely really really good points um some fascinating similarities which maybe i should have expected but given that all of them continue involve continue to involve something about the rocket or space it seems like two opening with a bank heist two ending with venom being sacrificed like it's yeah some fascinating stuff andy i really love um that you are using carnage in the way he was created as as like a full-on serial killer and you're leaning into the horror and the carnage of it um and i I really appreciate that. Um, I, as someone who kind of liked everything from the first one a bit, I'm a bit sad that some of that buddy comedy has gone. Um, and also, I have a bit of an issue that, like Ross said, I do feel like your characters have basically finished the movie where they started. Um, Ross builds very well off of what happens in the first movie um, and uses the buddy comedy aspect of it really well um has great potential with carnage but maybe doesn't go into as much detail and doesn't doesn't follow the serial killer bit um and 30 minutes of action could be filled well and you had some good ideas for filler but maybe not enough for me to have full confidence in it um lastly matt definitely still has the comedy coming through I really like that Michelle Williams has lots to do in that sort of teaming up. The idea for the final fight was really inventive. Um, the characters end up in a different place from the first movie. I mean, more so when I thought that Venom was 
dead at the end. Now that I know that Venom's probably not dead, their their journey's maybe not as clear as it would have been. Um, having Peter Parker and Doc Ock showing up is fun and ambitious, but at the same time, it feels like a much it feels like quite a small movie, um, and it definitely doesn't lean into the potential horror of it as much as the other two. Um, so, and the 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 fight at the end with Michelle Williams is different but it does end at the same facility fighting over a rocket um and there might be some problems there Uh, and i'm i'm in that weird thing where i think if if all of us sat down with all three of these and found a way to sort of have matt's teaming up with michelle williams ross's escalation of stakes and andy's implementation of carnage um this would be an absolute cracker of a venom sequel (laughs) um but i have to pick one of you and I don't know who to pick. Um, I've made my choice. I can only pick one movie. And... Oh, I am going with Andy. What, what the what? fuck? It's the best I'm going one. with Come Andy. On. Let's face it. I'm, all three of these would need some tweaks... All three would definitely need some tweaks. Andy used the character of Carnage better than Ross's did as a character. We'd need to fix that fucking plot hole of how he got infected because he definitely was not infected at the beginning of the first film or he would have just broken out. Fair play. I thought it was, but yeah, fair. Matt, yours, the end of yours, despite having a new and inventive fight scene, is all of the complaints about Iron Man 2 are the same complaints I with your sequel. It's a fucking great film. Oh, oh Matt, you're just... Yeah. You have you no respect for yourself? <laughs> you're just digging yourself further into Ross's plot holes. <laughs> and... And, Ross, I... The, the... The fact that it ended with all of the symbiotes across the world, I like the way that you built on it, and... And I like the fa- I like the fact that you had an explanation for why Cletus Casty got infected, but he's only there for the end of the movie, and he doesn't tie into it thematically. Where Andy made the point of drawing the parallels between Cletus, the serial killer, having voices in his head, and Eddie having voices in his head. He kept Michelle Williams involved, and he got Carnage to be a serial killer. I think. I'd want to make sure there was dark comedy in there as well, but for me, it's Andy. Andy, well done. I need you, please, to tell us and the listeners what film we are watching next for next week. Okay, just because I like the film. Okay, next week, we are going to be pitching our sequels to Wild Wild West. Okay, <laughs> nice. I actually quite like this film. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna look forward to the review. Um, it's right. apparently available on Netflix at the time of recording. Will Smith, um, Kenneth Branagh, all sorts of terrible, but in some of some some of it good, most of it bad. But still, it's fun. Let's do it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. There we have it. Wild Wild West. Um, that is it for this episode. Um, 
very quickly, the first couple of months of a podcast life are super important for reaching new people. Um, so if you've enjoyed listening so far, we would absolutely appreciate it so, so much. If you could hop onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a review, um, subscribe wherever you're listening or follow if you're on Spotify um, so that you get our episodes as soon as they come out and give us your feedback on Twitter at SQL Pitch or on our Facebook or Instagram pages. We would love to hear from you and tell us whether I made the wrong choice or whether you agree or what you did or didn't like and everything in between. So it is goodbye from this week's winner, Andy Henry. It's about time, to be fair. I should have won last week, but I'll take this week. All right, okay. Um, it is goodbye from Ross. Such a sore loser, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> He's a sore winner. I'm a winner. sore winner and a sore loser. Sore it's winner the best combination. <laughs> um, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye from Matt Rushton. See you next week. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.